Good morning, good morning, dear class. I'm Dottie's good to see you. I want to give some prayer requests. Abby and Becky, it's like I don't know you because you're there instead of over. Isn't that so funny how patterned we get? Donna, it's great to see you. I am going to give, if you'll get your, um, your green sheet out with your pen or pencil, I want to give some updates on some prayer requests. And this first one is quite serious. Um, it is our own dear Gail Cox, and she is in the hospital. The, um, the good news is the rotary cup surgery went very well. The bad news is um, she has developed an infection. She has pneumonia in both lungs. She has a high fever, and she has COVID. So she is where she needs to be in the hospital, but she really needs our daily continual prayers concerning this. So. Gail, mm -hmm. yep, yep, and pray, and pray for Roger. Um, you know, Gail has been a 24-hour caregiver for years now concerning uh, uh, Roger, and um, so just ask the Lord to take care of Roger right now and, um, and give him the peace that he needs. And Gail is where she needs to be, and... I'm praying with Lori that she is there for a long time. She has desperately needed rest, and now that she is this serious, um, you know, she is where she's supposed to be. So, um, other prayer requests, uh, Debbie Jensen's brother, David Potter, he's been on our prayer list before, it's the health issues, uh, and her aunt, her dear aunt, um, what do you call her, you have a cute I nickname, Peggy, yeah, Aunt Peggy. Okay, Peggy, because I always think of our Peggy uh, in Sunday school. So uh, continue to uh, pray for her. There's um, cancer that she has fought before. She's fighting it again. Uh, Kim Dennis has an unspoken prayer request. And Brian Pahokie's dad is dealing in that hard, hard valley, the shadow of death. He knows Christ as Savior. Um, as I talk to Brian, Brian says he's ready to go. It's just a hard, hard time and very hard with the family as they are taking turns doing what they can with a heart, with a heart that is burdened. Um, good news with Tammy is her pain is gone into her shoulder. Her uh, PT has been very successful. Uh, praise the Lord for the healing that's taken place there. Uh, and then also with uh, Gail Cox family, uh, Lori's brother, Rick LaRue, he is out of the hospital after over 100 days of being in the hospital. He's very weak, he's um, very down, and uh, so just pray for Rick LaRue and that situation. Dottie? I want to pray, I have a very close friend of mine, her granddaughter's name is Mariah. Mariah, okay. And she is involved with the Wiccans. Oh boy, yeah. She's having a lot of issues, and we're just praying for her at our private latest Bible study every Saturday. Right. Mariah, who is involved with a, a cult, okay? Yeah. And that, that is a heartbreak. Uh, Deb? Great. Yesterday, Jeremiah Putman, Tori's younger brother, collapsed in his yard, and they took him to the Lapeer Hospital, and he was released and sent home. But this is the same brother whose wife just died mysteriously like four or five weeks ago. She was only 29. Their cause of death has not been determined. They have a little two-year-old at home. 
right. I'm just wondering if there's something environmental in the home that right. has health issues. So just pray for the family. The, the Putman family, okay. Wow, unbelievable. Great. Good to see you too. All right. If you have other prayer requests, Cindy, would you raise your hand? She will get those recorded and on, and Maya makes these prayer sheets up for us each week so we really can keep track, which is a, a wonderful thing for our class as we lift each other up in prayer. Chris, it's great to see your daughter and granddaughter with you again, Tanya. It's wonderful to have you in class. I love those long extended stays with family because you really do get to um, relax and enjoy each other. I'm glad each one of you are here. Um, today is March 21st, and I'm going to tell you what that means after we pray. Ready? Father, thank you for this morning. Oh, Father, how we thank you for the sunshine. Lord, we thank you that you are the light of the world and you call us to be that light. And God, may we just anticipate ways in which we can bring the light into other people's lives that they might see you. Lord, I especially lift up Gail at this time. And Father, I just pray that you will supply everything she needs from the inside out, the peace that only you can give. Father, the joy and the certainty that um, she is where she is supposed to be. Father, I pray for Roger. And Lord, I pray that you would calm him. And I pray, Father, that he would understand that he needs to just wait on you and continue to pray for his wife. And Lord, I pray that you would meet those needs that only you can. Now, Lord, as we open up your word, I'm so excited about the truth of your word. And Father, I pray that each one of our minds and hearts would focus now on the truth that we we individually need. Speak to us, Father, I pray from your word, and I so thank you that you are our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Trina, I'm going to call on you to write in a little bit so that we can um, read it, all right? So <laughs> uh, just in a little bit. First of all, March 21st, and let me ask you, do you know what today means? March 21st. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with March Madness. It has nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day or the Ides of March. This is what today has to do with. If you look up into the skies, scripture, God's word says, the heavens what? Declare. Declare. Do you know what that means? God has something he wants you to understand and to see because it's March 21st. Now this is the coolest thing. 5.43, Saturday morning, we entered what is called Vernal Equinox. Ooh, does that sound Star Trekky? I am a Trekkie. <laughs> Vernal Equinox. I love it because the heavens do declare the glory of God, and God is declaring, child, you are living today, March 21st, in Vernal Equinox. What that means is that the earth is turned and exposed to the sun to equal amounts of light and darkness. We are no longer in winter. We are not yet into summer. We are ready in between. We are in between. And what our Heavenly Father wants us to know on March 21st in in Vernal equinox is, child, you're living in the middle. You're living in the middle. 
Good morning, good morning. We can grab one more chair um, and set it right up there by the door there. That, that'll be great. And there's a chair right here. I'm so happy you're here. So being right in the middle of seasons, the Lord is saying, Kathy, or because we're in the series of the Lord is my shepherd, sheep, sheep, you are no longer in that perfectly prepared place called the Garden of Eden. And all of you are saying, yep, by the looks of my week last week, I certainly know that. And neither are you in the perfectly prepared place that I'm fixing for you right now. You're living in between. You're in between. But fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not. For I am with thee, because there's something really hard about living in between. It's called life. Life as we know it, in between. So, what God wants us to know is that he is our shepherd. Because we're living in between, we desperately need the Lord as our shepherd. Now, Trina, if you'll come up and write this for me. I want you to look. Good morning. Hi, Terry. Good morning. We need two more chairs, and we can kind of scooch them, one maybe over there and one in the back there. That would be great. Thanks, Leslie. What the Lord is saying is, child, because you're living in between, you're in between, you really need me as your shepherd. Now, I want you to list some things. I always spill the beans in Sunday school about different things. I want you to spill some beans. Ready? I don't want them to come from Kathy. I want them to come from you, from your week last week. I want you on this column, we're going to list some things that we're not going to hear about, and we're just going to list them. Some things last week in which you went, oh, great. Oh, great. Oh, great. You all had some things. that Barb, what was the thing that you went, oh, great? Oh, that, that is an oh great. Who else had an oh great, Karen? And I have been praying for that, and that is oh great. And you know what? We're going to find out that she will have something better. But, it, but at the moment, I'm getting us to focus on the fact that all throughout we, our days, we have these leak away moments of our contentment, of our joy, of our peace. Life leaks it away or just plain old dumps it over like Barb's bucket of syrup, and it's gone. What's another old great moment? That, Leslie? I had two papers that were blessed with finances, but another one that helped. Yeah, fell through, fell through, yep. What's another one? One more. Linnell? No washer? Oh, dear girl. Yeah, yeah, three, three little ones, you know, yeah, okay. Now I want you to tell me, now I want you to tell me last week when you had a grateful moment, a great, thank you, Lord. Oh, I can't believe this happened, Cindy. I have so many, so I'll try not to talk more. Okay. My husband's home. Yes, yes. The brother is settled. Amen. And he brought a dryer for Rachel because her dryer puked, so she got three dryers. Oh, that is I wonderful. Told you, a lot. you did have a lot. Who else had a great? Carol, welcome home. While we were up north, my husband had to go to the VA um, in the middle of the night. 
Praise the Lord. That is a grateful moment. Dottie? All right. This was yesterday. I can share that last week. I've been looking for several months now for a desk a certain size with everything, you know, with the file cabinet and everything. And yesterday a friend of mine is downsizing, moving into another apartment, and she was selling her desk. It's the exact thing I've been looking for. <coughs> Ridiculous price. Oh, that's wonderful. Ridiculous. Oh, that was a, that is a great moment. Okay, Trina. Caleb with school is just blessing my heart when he comes home and he's like, "Mom, you in science, or Mom." And it's just something it's right huge. away that just I recognize as a gift from the Lord. It certainly is. It's huge. Okay, Donna. Uh, some know, some don't. That Linda was in. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Boy, and, and something in this that we're going to focus on in just a minute is these moments, these moments are meant to turn our hearts to the Lord in need because we know we're needed. And when we choose to do that, to stay close to our shepherd, boy, don't we love a normal day, Donna? Just a normal, boring day at home for the granddaughter. You're ready to do cartwheels. And there, there is a change of heart that happens that we're going to look into that is just, it's so good as we live in vernal equinox between these two places of paradise, Eden, and paradise to come. Deb? I click my heels, and I am grateful for that. Okay, so with these lists, now we're going to reference this list in a little bit later in this lesson, and we're going to uh, bring it into bearing. It's just so good because it's so life. So when these peace disturbers barge into your day and break down your front door and break down, or, or they slip in through the crack in the window, they rob us of our peace. And my father promises that he will supply a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that I can't understand. You know why I can't understand it? It doesn't come from me. I can't make it happen. I can't manipulate it. I can't wish for it. It's a peace that is a byproduct from staying close to my Savior in the trouble. In the trouble. It's, it's the piece that comes in learning a learned response, and we're going to see how victorious we can be when the peace disturbers come throughout our day, when our tribulation, which the Lord says, you're, you're in between your, your vernal equinox, you're going to be full of tribulation. That's, that's what this life is full of. He says, but fear not, because I am with you. See, the point is never my tribulation. The point is never my dumped syrup can. The point is God's in control. God knows. And a learned response, sometimes that learned response is just learning to close my mouth so I don't give more fuel to my wrong response. But we'll get back to that in just a minute. So when God introduces himself, okay, last week you all had this sheet. Some of you, I pray you memorize Hebrews 13. I've got some more sheets up here. Get them after class. If you don't have a sheet, turn to Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. They are our theme verses for this series on the Lord is my shepherd. Now I'm going to give you some um, 
verbiage on this. We're going to end by saying this verse. We're not going to begin by saying it. This is the theme verse I'm asking you to memorize for our Lord is my shepherd series. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. It begins with now. And I just love that because I'm a mother. <laughs> because you take, you've got to get the attention. You've got to get the attention first. And so you use this very powerful, simple, hard consonant word, mm, now, now. In other words, I believe that this is Paul writing, inspired by God, and he's addressing a bunch of maybe a Sunday school class that won't just quit talking, okay? Maybe a classroom, maybe a school classroom where you're trying to teach a really hard math equation, but there's too much stuff going around. Well, as... As the one striving to teach something that I desperately need to know, it's this, now. And then comes this beautiful softener to the word now, because now is a command. Now is, listen up, listen up. Now, the God of peace. And this is so beautiful because God addresses me in my most needy area. I need to know his peace. He is the God of peace. I lose my peace. Every day I lose my peace. Every day he is there to supply and replenish and refill with his peace. The God of peace. He's saying, child, you've got to know me so that you can know my peace. And if you don't know me, if you just know me as, as, as in salvation, and you've not come to know me, you've not grown up, you've, you're not, your faith isn't growing, you know how you're going to live? You're going to live in fear. Or you're going to live in anger. Or you're going to live in frustration because this stuff happens every single day. So, fear not, I am with thee. Get to know your father. How do you know him? You know him by his word. You get into this word and you know him through the word. He tells you all about himself. He tells you what he has done, what he wants to do. He tells me how to do this vernal equinox time of life. He says, child, know my word so that you will know my will so that you will walk in my way. Here's a profound quote. I love this quote. It was in the book that Maya, you lent me. She writes, comfort isn't a solution to seek. Rather, it is a byproduct that we will reap when we stay close to the Lord. See, we're always seeking for comfort, for a way out, for a solution. That's not what we need to seek. We need to seek him in it. And the comfort that comes and the peace that comes and the joy that comes and the, ready? Clint, relax. Relax. In the trouble, in this list. So the God of peace, do I, here's an accountability question. As we gathered last Sunday in this beautiful series of The Lord is My Shepherd, do you, do I know the God of peace in a better way this Sunday than I did last Sunday? I hope so. I hope you do. I hope you've grown to know him better through this week. He's given us lots of opportunities 
to know him better in both columns. Know him. Uh, Paul spells it out in Ephesians. Write this down as a footnote in your notes. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. And I'm going to quote it to you. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the, ready, knowledge of the Son of God, knowing God. Paul is saying, know your God. And then it goes, unto a perfect man. Now here's this perfection again that's echoing the truth from our Hebrews 13 verses. Remember, make you perfect in every good work. That happens as we know our God. That is echoing this truth of Hebrews, make you perfect in every good work. But back to Ephesians, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more, ready, children, tossed to and fro. Remember when we studied that about three weeks ago? Children tossed to and fro, no direction, no grounding, because they don't know. And Paul is saying, he's, he's talking to the church of Corinth here. And they were a very worldly church. They were a first-generation born-again church, but they, they would not separate from what God's word tells us to separate from so that we can know our Father. It is my sin that separates me from my Heavenly Father. And the church at Corinth, they were so involved in excusing and blaming and yada, 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 and the temptations. They weren't separating themselves. You can't know God. You cannot serve two masters. And now the God of peace says, child, you just, you're missing it because you don't know me. Knowing our Father. Don't be a child tossed to and fro. And then it goes down, I think it's in verse 20 of, of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, um, ye have not so yet learned Christ. In other words, you're not learning. You're not learning. You are never going to know because you're not learning. So... My first desire in my heart that so, so wants to know my God, learn. Get in a good Bible study. Get an accountability friend. Talk, if, you have, if you have grown children, talk about the Lord all the time. Talk about what happened in your day and how the Lord supplied. Talk about all the grateful things. Let your lips continually praise your Lord. And what this does, he begins refilling. He fills me up as I am honoring him with my lips. It is a miracle that can happen every single moment of our day as I give God glory and give God honor with the things I say, oh, great, and with the things that I am grateful for. But not knowing him, not knowing um, last Friday, the students were coming into Mrs. Bonner's class groaning. Mrs. Bonner, we've had a test or a quiz in every hour. Have mercy. Well, well, what, what does Friday mean as a school uh, student? It means tests and, and quizzes. That's what Friday is all about. My team lost in the times table competition, the multiplication tables, and you know why they lost? Do you know why my team lost? Me. Because of me, my team lost. Not just on one Friday, but on two Fridays. I was the reason my team went down in defeat. 
I was mortified. I just, what, what could I do? Okay, as a fourth grader, I'm going to quit school. <laughs> or, or, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame my teacher. I probably did. I probably did. And if all else fails, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run away from home because I'm a failure. My team lost twice because of me. By the way, isn't it interesting that those are the very things we naturally choose when we grow up and flunk life's tests? I'm going to quit. I'm going to blame. I'm going to run away. See, it's so easy to live naturally your whole life, even as a born-again child of God, and to never experience on a daily basis in the tests of life and in the quizzes of life his sweet peace and his enablement and the growth of my faith because, because I find out in his word what he says about my failures, and I submit to his authority, and I do it. Sometimes it's learning that soft answer. Often it's forgiveness. Often it's, you know, my soul so empties when I demand my rights. Nothing will empty you faster than if at the end of the day I haven't gotten my pound of flesh because they did me wrong. I will not be satisfied with that pound of flesh. I don't care if it's fried bacon. It's not going to fill me. When I live waiting for them to finally apologize, I have just emptied out all the contentment of my day because it ain't going to happen. And even if it does happen, they finally say, you know what, Kathy, I was wrong. You were right. Do you know that won't bring contentment in my soul and in my heart? It won't. It won't. Because there's going to be five others in line who say, you weren't right, I'm right. You see, it's just this continual self-defeating process that we live in. And God says, stop it. Get in my word and find out what I have to say about it. You know what it says? First of all, it says, pray for those who despitefully use you. Kathy, when did you do that? Well, then you're just going to live empty. And you're going to live hollow like the bunny you got when you were nine years old and it caved in on you. Or you can know my peace, you can know my joy, in spite of vernal equinox. You're going to see what I can do. So not knowing, not knowing is miserable. Fourth grade, my team lost because of me. Um, what did I need to do? I needed to learn. Go back again to that reference in Ephesians. You have not yet so learned Christ, Kathy. You're in this mess because you're not learning. You've got to know. So what did I do? Well, first of all, I chose. I chose to learn. Now, this goes into the shall. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall. Shall, do you remember what shall meant? From <coughs> last two weeks, shall is a predetermining choice. I shall do this. I shall be there. I shall help. Shall is a predetermining choice that you and I can make because we're, we're in the fold. We've been saved from our sin. I shall listen, Lord. And it needs to be a predetermined choice for all of the things that shall happen in your day. 
I'm equipped when I choose to walk beside my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is dramatically different than how we surfacely read this first verse of, of uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Because if you understand the, the dynamics of what David is writing, he is saying basically, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am complete in him. I have all that I need because the Lord is my shepherd. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? It's a huge difference. Because we read this and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, I want. There's a lot of things I want. And, I'm, and want means, ready, incomplete. It means wanting. It means um, not enough. It's never enough. So with that in mind, what did I have to do as a fourth grader? I had to learn my times tables, and that meant a sacrifice. I couldn't serve myself and learn the multiplication because I had to stay in for recess. I had to take those S-T-U-P-I-D flashcards, and I had to sit at my desk, and I had no time to eat lunch with my friends, and I sat there, and I went over them and over them and over them. The sevens were awful, but the eights were terrible, and the nines just blew me away. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I sat in there, and I learned my multiplication tables. Friday came. I couldn't wait. I didn't just participate in my team, you know. Oh, Kathy's on our team. <laughs> you know, have you ever been there? Well, I'm happy if you haven't. But you know what? You'll never learn. You'll never learn the victory of overcoming and winning. Because you have to pay a bigger price, maybe. Right, it came. My team lined up. I have never in my life looked forward to taking a test. I'm not a test person. That Friday I did, Haley. I couldn't wait. I not only was ready, but I was anticipating the outcome. Hiel, it was just like, we're going to do this. My team won. My team won. My team had victory. I wasn't the one that brought them to victory, but I participated in the team, and I was there getting points for my team. Now, the point is this. God says, child, you've got to know me. You've got to know my word, to know my will, so that you will walk with me. Because my presence in your day, in your trouble, in your moments, will make all the difference. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how Paul could write that. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's with me in this vernal equinox. And he is saying, child, learn of me. I've got the peace that passes understanding. More than a solution, you need my peace. More than, more than getting what you want, I've got joy. The fundamental question is this. Will I choose to believe God himself will be to me all that I need in life? That is the crux of it. Will I choose to believe that God will be more than enough when everything is taken away? Wow. Now, it's really, it's really easy to sit in Sunday school together here, 
hearing the truth. The truth is open on our laps in God's word. My heart agrees with the truth. But it's a whole different story in that moment when I am in trouble, in need, in pain, in anger, in fear. And this is where the discipline, this is what you do. God does the giving of peace. God does the growing up of Kathy. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of us so that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall. This morning, I committed every part of this day. Lord, I hate failing. Most of all, I don't want to fail you. Lord, I shall choose you. And more than all the things that I want, I want to please you most of all. This is a predetermining of your choice. And you know what happens when you and I do this? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you leaps up and says, I'm with you. Let's do this day. Let's do this day. God knows everything I'm going to face in this day. Some of it looks really bad. But God's in control. I will not fear. Isaiah, the other verses we've learned, the Lord says unto me, take my, I will take your right hand, saying unto thee, fear not. I will help thee. Comfort isn't a solution to seek. Rather, it's a byproduct we'll reap when we stay close to the Lord. Um, in the uh, book, oh, I don't see Betty here this morning, but she's got uh, Philip Keller's book, which is an excellent book. It's a shepherd. He is a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He's in heaven now. And he wrote this book. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23, and it's just beautiful. And I'm taking some of his facts about sheep and shepherding in the basis of this lesson. But I ran you off a page from uh, his book, and I want you to I want you to read it with me. And just before we do, there's another notation that I want you to write down. I want you to write down Philippians 4:11, because it's Paul and what he's saying. Um, He's saying the truth, the New Testament truth of what David is penning in Psalm 23. David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Paul now is saying in Philippians 4, 11, not that I speak in respect of what? Want, but I have what? Learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He could only say that because he knew the Lord was with him. And he said, and then he lists all the things that he's gone through. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's, that's part of living in vernal equinox. And boy, the stuff he went through just puts me to shame. Because we live so well as born-again Christians in America, and we have so much, and yet never, ever has there been such weak Christianity with so much complaining and carping. Paul is saying, <laughs> not that I speak in respect to want. By the way, understand that Satan is the enemy of your soul. He wants to use this list to destroy you. He wants to use this list to whisper, God doesn't care. He wants to use this list as convincing me 
that there's a better way than God's way. Ironically, this is the same list that our Father, my Lord who is my shepherd, uses to convince me that the God of peace will fill you and give you what you so desperately want if you'll follow his way. The list is the same. Who I choose to obey in this list reveals who my master is. And it also determines if I live today with peace and with joy. When something's being taken away, by the way, all the temporary gifts in this life are taken away. Only that which is eternal, only the moments, the actions, the thoughts, the responses that honor my God are the things that will go before me. Only the eternal things last. Everything else in this life is going to be taken away. So I mean like really important things, big things. When life starts taking them back, my health, um, my money, my resources, my abilities, my brain, and especially my loved ones. This point unto man wants to die. We're all going to face that. This is just temporary. We're in vernal equinox. We're, we're in between, at least. And every day I have the opportunity to lay up treasures in heaven. Every day we have that opportunity, but every day in the tribulation, I am tempted to do it my way to get what I think I want. Keller's book. Um, I gave you this sheet. I want you to read in your head when I read this out loud, but I do want you to look at it. There's something very verifying about seeing the word. Look at it. For the man or woman who recognizes the claim of Christ and gives allegiance to his absolute ownership, there comes the question of bearing his mark. By the way, before this, in this chapter, this shepherd talked about how he had to mark his sheep. He had to literally brand or cut the sheep in the ear. That sheep took on a mark to show that he belonged to the master. It's a great parallel. So, bearing his mark. The mark of the cross is that which should identify us with himself all the time. The question is, does it? Jesus made it clear that when he stated emphatically, if any man would be my disciple, follower, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Basically, what amounts to is this. A person exchanges the fickle fortunes of living life by sheer whimsy for the more productive, satisfying adventure of being guided by God. It is a tragic truth that many people who really have never come under his direction or management claim the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to hope that by merely admitting that he is their shepherd, somehow they'll enjoy the benefits of his care and management without paying the price of forfeiting their own foolish way of life. We cannot have it both ways. Either we belong to him or we don't. Jesus warned us that there would be a day in which many would say, Lord, have we not done many wonderful things in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works? And what does the Lord say back to them? No, I didn't. I never knew you. You went through the motions. You, you went to Sunday school. You, you, you uh, had a Bible. But you were never truly mine. 
So he goes into this list now that is, is vital. I'd like you to take this list and study it and go over it this week. Number one, a most serious sobering thought which should make us search our own hearts and motives and personal relationship. Do I really belong to him? Jesus says there's many who are saying they're born again and they're not. They're relying on something other than the shed blood of Jesus to forgive them of their sins, to cleanse their heart. Number two, do I recognize his right to me? Three, do I respond to his authority and acknowledge his ownership? Four, do I find freedom and complete fulfillment in this arrangement? Five, do I sense a purpose and deep contentment because I'm under his direction? Six, do I know rest and repose besides a definite sense of exciting adventure in belonging to him? If so, then with genuine gratitude and exaltation, I can exclaim proudly, just as David did, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to close with a tale of two tunes. A tale of two tunes. The first one took place last week. And it's all about whining over a peanut butter sandwich. I have a friend who has a friend. Neither go to our church. This friend's friend is recovering from a painful surgery. So my friend was calling her friend to encourage her and see if there was anything she could do to help. And for the next 45 minutes, her friend went on describing concerning a rotten peanut butter sandwich. This friend's friend, her husband had come home from work, immediately went where she was in bed and asked her what he could get for her to eat. And I'm quoting with the tone that my friend quoted. The only thing that sounds good to me is a peanut butter sandwich. Nothing sounds good. This medicine has made me sick to my stomach. I just want a peanut butter sandwich. Maybe that will help. The husband goes out, and the friend's friend said, it took him forever to make a peanut butter sandwich. I took one bite after he finally brought it into me, and I immediately spit it out. This is rotten. This tastes horrible. How can you ruin a peanut butter sandwich, I ask him. You eat this. I don't understand how you can mess up a peanut butter sandwich. Well, come to find out, the expiration date on that jar of peanut butter was 2019. <laughs> Wouldn't you think, said this friend of my friend, he would have checked the label. Well, my friend is thinking to herself, I don't know that my husband would read the expiration date on a jar of peanut butter in the cupboard. After all, it's in our cupboard, and after all, you're the one stocking the cupboard. But my friend could not even get a word in edgewise. Her friend was venting so profusely and so continually. All I wanted, operative word, want, all I wanted was a peanut butter sandwich. This went on for 45 minutes before my friend literally had to say, I am so sorry. I have to go and hung up the phone. Given free reign, our want tour gets out of control over anything and over everything. And my friend who was saying, I don't, I don't know how to help her. And I said, well, until she closes her mouth, you can't. 
And I said, and then just simply say, I love you. I want to help. But the first way you've got to understand that you can receive help is you've got to thank the Lord for what you have. You have a husband who came directly home from work to find out what he could fix you to eat. I also happen to know that husband left the house that night. Yeah. Um, given free reign, our want to or gets out of control. That's why I need to daily choose the Lord as my shepherd. The Lord is my master because he sets up beautiful protective borders for my mouth and my mind, and he saves me from myself. It goes back to that predetermining choice. Father, whatever comes into my day, I choose you. Here's the second tune of a tale of two tunes. It was an unadorned account of a, the diabolical suffering and degradation of hundreds of Dutch and British women in a Japanese prison camp in the jungles of Sumatra in World War II. To those of us old enough to recall the pain of those terrible times, it was like opening once more the dreadful doors to the diabolical darkness and death that stalked the earth under the grim warlords. But the incredible, almost unbelievable, single strand of golden glory that surmounted that cruel camp was the life and witness of a young English missionary lady who loved music. Purely from memory and out of her intimate life with God, she could recall the music and melodies of the great hymns. She put these down on paper with remarkable accuracy, and with the help of another gifted young woman, she began to train hundreds of women dressed only in rags, starving to death, riddled with disease, to sing the music in union. The harmonies which rose in unison from those broken hearts and shattered lives became the very source of their strength and assurance of their survival. Woman after woman, now white-haired and deeply lined after more than 60 years since those nightmares ended, gave glowing testimony to the wonders wrought by this quiet, humble English girl who truly rested in God amidst the awful atrocities around her. It is this sort of heroic life lived out, given up, gladly in the company with God who can change the worst of conditions as the pure, pure sounds of those great hymns and glorious music set their souls free from the atrocities of their cruel Japanese captors, those women found fresh hope, renewed strength in God. Ah, I am so ashamed when I read that of Kathy, who so willingly wanders over this but has a choice and knows the sweet victory of learning Christ and committing that shall every morning that also brings an anticipation of, dear shepherd, I can't wait for the next thing to go wrong because I shall stay right next to you and see what you can do. It, it takes away the fear of the day. It enables us with a strength that is not of us, but that is of our shepherd, because he will never leave nor forsake. And he's going to do something in this list that I could never do, that I could never accomplish. And it begins with his peace. Now, the God of peace. Do you know it? You can. I knew it this morning when two really sad things happened. I immediately brought it to my shepherd. God, you know. 
God, I can't wait to see how you are going to answer. Father in heaven, thank you that you are our shepherd. God, would we take these truths and not just thrill with the truth of them, but Father, may we apply them. May we be as excited as a fourth grader taking a multiplication test because you know the answers and because you will never leave us alone in the test. And we'll give you all the praise, thanking you for what you do today and what you're going to do tomorrow and what we have to look forward to as we live in this vernal equinox of in between. Thank you, Father, in thy precious name. Amen.